Welcome to the Soul Center Podcast. We are your co-hosts, Master Healer Ariella Halevi and Rabbi Dr. Baruch Halevi, Rabbi B, your healer and guide on the journey of life. In this podcast, we will explore all things spirituality, meaning, and healing, from Kabbalah and the healing of your soul to shamanic energy work and the healing of your past, from ancient wisdom traditions to guide your spirit to modern tools to live your life. The Soul Center Podcast will empower you on your journey to heal yourself, discover your soul purpose, and live a soul-centered life. And now, on to the podcast. All right, so here we are. I am Baruch Levy. And I am with Dr. Dan. What a privilege to be with you. Oh, the privilege is all mine, B. Um, yeah, so just kind of sharing with both our audience, what a, what a cool opportunity. I think this is the power of, of, of podcasting and modern technology that two, two guys with very little hair come across each other in, in, in the cyberspace and wind up talking about logotherapy, right? I think we should do a podcast on, you know, stylish grooming habits for middle-aged men. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the top has little, and I think we're both going to see what, uh, you know, the chin and everything else can do. And I think we have a few other things to talk about besides that. But, uh, you know, maybe because um, I'm introducing you to my audience and you're introducing me to yours, maybe we'll just do a little introduction about who we are, where we're coming from, and then more importantly, jump into our favorite topic, logotherapy. Outstanding. How, uh, how'd you come by? How'd I had come by? Well, first of all, I found you out in uh, cyberspace because of um, your, your, pro- your podcast, The Meaning Project, and was just enamored with um, the work that you're doing and felt like, whoa, I'm looking almost in the mirror, not just because of great grooming habits, but also right. um, philosophy and listening to your journey. Um, so I'm really inspired by that. I'll, I'll share with you a little bit about my journey, and then um, I would really love to hear more about yours. So I grew up in um, Omaha, Nebraska. That's where I'm currently broadcasting from, visiting my mom. I, I now reside in Denver, where I live with my wife and four kids. For about the past 20 years, I've been a rabbi, um, 15 of those years, a congregational rabbi, and really felt called many, many years ago to do this work of helping people find meaning for many years. It was vis-a-vis Judaism and spirituality specifically around that Um, because I watched uh, my, my father and my grandmother lose their way in life because they didn't have meaning. Mm. Uh, I wrote a book on this. I sent you the book spark seekers and spark seekers is all about my journey. Having, witnessed um, the consequences of not having a, as, as Nietzsche would say, and Dr. Frankel quotes him often, the, the, to know your why. And if you don't know your why, it's very hard to endure life's hows, I'm paraphrasing them. And I watched my dad. Let me, let me jump in there real quick. because yeah. I, I want to point out, and this just came across my, my radar, like yeah. literally right before we got on here about knowing your why. That's so true. Nietzsche and Frankel gave us that well over a hundred years ago. And I don't know if I want to thank or, or uh, shake my finger at Simon Sinek for uh, taking that and making it his now. So Simon, thank you. Uh, but, you know, give credit where credit's due. That's 
well over a hundred years old. At least, and I just actually did a podcast on, it's probably a few thousand years old. It probably begins in Kabbalah, which there's a saying that you must know your, um, that all, that all spiritual journeys begin with one word. Why? Mm. Right. When you start asking why, right. You open, it's an opening. And you're saying is I don't have the answers, but I'm willing to go out. So Sakyamuni, the Buddha and Jesus and Moses are all opening to possibility. And I watched the opposite. Dan. I watched my dad and my, my grandmother close their world got smaller. And I'm sure we'll talk about it. You know, reductionism reduced smaller and smaller. And I watched them lose themselves in the darkness of life. And ultimately, as I wrote about in the book, uh, they both completed suicide. And I committed to um, asking why to figuring out my why to helping other people figure out their why. And it's taken me down this long path. And and about uh, six years ago, I realized I can't do it anymore as a congregational rabbi. I just, I'm interested in something a little broader, a little more universal. And that's when I started to formally study Dr. Frankel um, and his work. I had been exposed to him 25 years ago, but I don't think I really appreciated it until I got serious about my why. And what I found in logotherapy, and I'll kind of end here, is um, a both um, system to help me find my why and that was built upon the why, but more importantly, an example of somebody who's actually lived it. Because I think there's a lot of great theories out there, but I don't trust theories. I trust people. And I trust this man, Victor Frankl, implicitly because his why was not only articulated, but lived, you know, in the horrors of the Holocaust. And if he can do that, I can do this. And so, you know, I spend my days now just helping people as a logotherapist kind of find and live their why. That's beautiful. What, what, a, what a sad and beautiful story of, you know, truly living that suffering that Dr. Frankel and others in logotherapy talk about and, and allowing it to shape you and to mold you into something self-transcendent, you know, mm-hmm. turning that hurt and suffering into um, achievement and, and helping others. Uh, what you said about, you know, we talk about reductionism and, you know, logotherapy quite often. That was one of the things Dr. Frankel fought against in the very beginning, how initial theorists Freud and, and Jung and uh, Adler tried to reduce the human being to a label or a drive or a primary motivation. You know, Freud thought we were just all sex crazed monsters. And, you know, Adler comes in and thinks that we're all just out to get power. And uh, that was one of the things, you know, I'm glad Dr. Frankel realized, hey, we can't reduce the human being down to that. But it's sad to hear that story um, of your loved ones reducing their lives to this, uh, well, not being open to life and experience. What a, what a sad example of, of kind of reductionism in an individual individual shape so um my story my goodness uh as you said before as we were chatting um for those that have listened to my podcast you you may know a bit about me already uh i don't know what i've covered in the past year or not but let's yeah i'll just kind of go with it so um i am a mental health and meaning uh speaker consultant and mentor Um, I'm a classically trained psychotherapist, so I got a master's degree in counseling psychology 20 years ago and uh, have been helping people along those kind of classic theories, uh, scientific theories, uh, psychological theories, 
Um, I started in adolescence, uh, working with adolescent um, offenders, and then went on to a really very, just very cool, innovative adolescent substance abuse treatment program in my, uh, in my starting out years. And I worked there for quite a while and became a little um, saddened by corporate mental health and the idea of, you know, always having to turn a profit and productivity numbers and, and stuff like that. So eventually went into private practice and, and started doing it that way. And really, it was probably about maybe 10 years ago or so. I was just kind of, you know, the great thing about private practice is we always get to be growing and learning. And, you know, when we're helping people in that kind of way, um, it's, it's somewhat free form, right? I'm sure you're experiencing that you, you get to choose what direction you go. And I had remembered learning about Frankel and in, in undergrad right he was a you know a paragraph in a textbook somewhere and i said you know i gotta i gotta try this man's search for meaning book again um i'm also a huge world war ii history buff so i mean the combination of some good psychological theory and and the atrocities of world war ii really kind of drew me in and so i read that i mean man's search for meaning is something i believe I, I may be a little biased here but i believe everybody should read um you know it's it's one of the top 10 100 books gifted in the past 100 years or something like that right so powerful and so brief so easy to read if i remember correctly that was the book uh dr frankel once he got out of the concentration camps i think he, i think he wrote it in two weeks maybe um that was the the quick version that he had to get all those three years of information out of his head and into uh, onto paper quickly and then later on in life is when he wrote um, Doctor and the Soul, which is usually considered to be his magnum opus, such just so powerful. It takes all those ideas and really goes into them more. But uh, so I read Man's Search for Meaning and I kept reading and got more books and uh, found uh, a wonderful woman, Dr. Ann Graber, who I believe I, I know I studied under. You may have at the Graduate Theological Fund. No, I didn't study under her, um, but I've read her book and she seems like a remarkable woman. I actually did my... Um, um, doctor of ministry at graduate theological foundation you did your logotherapy there correct correct so i went on and got my yes my my psyd there in focusing in logotherapy and she was one of my teachers but before that um, i had just found her book and read it and uh in in my field we need to go and get you know 20 hours of continuing education every year um, which is definitely a blessing and sometimes a curse um, because too often it's easy just to grab piecemeal and, you know, this is interesting, but I got to a point, I said, you know, if I'm going to enjoy this, uh, logotherapy stuff, I should probably get a credential or a certification in it. And that is where things got really meaningful for me. Um, you know, I started doing the research and there was, uh, you know, of course the Institute in Vienna, there's no way my wife is going to allow me to go to Vienna to study as much as I wanted to. Um, we have our Institute in Abilene, Texas. And right under that in the Google search was a school, the Graduate Theological Foundation, which at that time was located less than 10 miles from my house. Uh, so I, I really did think that was some, uh, you know, inspiration, some divine providence. And I'll tell you, I was thinking about this earlier. If I had to summarize the reason um, why I got into logotherapy in, in one or two words, it was the smell. I went, I went to go visit the Graduate Theological Foundation, and they had a voluminous library hmm. of of classic and and somewhat ancient texts. And when I walked, oh my good, I brought my daughter with me. Uh, met Doctor Doctor Morgan, and uh, 
just that whole place. I said, this, I belong here. Um, now, of course, as you know, it's distance learning. So, I mean, I did learn from a distance with some amazing instructors, uh, instructors all around the country and all around the world, uh, including Dr. Graber. And uh, from there, I, I think the one thing, um, as every paper I wrote, every, every conversation I had with every instructor, I, it was just burning in me. To I would always say, like, more people need to know about this. More people need to know about this. Well, ultimately, and that's an amazing story, and I feel so much connection, literally, because I ended up at Graduate Theological Foundation um, independently of you and would go there periodically. And I know that smell of that, uh, the library. Mm -hmm. So lots of connections. But, um, you know, I, as I mentioned, I found you again, because um, I was hungry searching for logo therapists to reach out to, to build a community, to build a tribe. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things I feel like I've given up, um, I had moved to Israel a few years ago with my wife and kids. And after we retired being a congregational rabbi, kind of looking for a tribe connection, not knowing where to go, having spent my entire life in a congregation where that was the kind of a built-in tribe of my, my people. And, and the further I got away from that, and when I walked away from my profession, and then we went to Israel and just kind of the search for where do I fit in? Where do I belong? Who do I want to hang around? You know, who do I resonate with? And just never really found it until I came to logotherapy. We moved back to the States and I started meeting logotherapists and I started hearing the way they were speaking and the things that they are searching for and the people they're guiding. And I thought, ah, this is my tribe. Like I want to build something around this. And, and yet, as you know, Dan, uh, it's not necessarily a yet a well-organized machine, like maybe other traditions, other psychotherapeutic, you know, schools. It can be, I think it should be. I'd like mm -hmm. to be a part of, convening. And so I reached out to you because I thought, you know, what better way to start than just two guys who love the work of Dr. Frankel, who practice it in their personal lives and share it in their professional lives. And let's just start building something together. So here we are. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought, thank you for reaching out. I think that's awesome that you had the courage to do that. And, and I, I'm humbled by that. Just, you know, that email, Hey, I like logotherapy. You like logotherapy. Let's get together and talk. And uh, so far, it's been very fun just kind of getting to know you. And, and I, I look forward to doing this some more as we you know, share these logo conversations with other people and see where it goes. Um, as I would say, that was my big goal after graduating was, man, I need to I, I can't keep all this in. And, you know, I, I shared it with my clients one on one or, you know, with couples in, in therapy and things like that but I still felt there was more to do. And, and again, that's where, you know, the podcast came in and right now really putting together a, a platform to get out into opportunities to share it with larger crowds. Um, I've done some uh, corporate consulting and uh, you know, let me tell you companies, um, managers and leaders, they don't always want to hear about how important meaning is to their employees and to them and to their teams. But if I can get in there with the idea of, look, this is going to improve your bottom line and, and sneak a little bit of meaning in there, uh, it as you've experienced, it resonates. It definitely resonates. It does. I spent a few years in the corporate sector um, trying to um, bring what it's called conscious capitalism to that space, mm -hmm. uh, because I think a lot of people in that space are sensing that uh, the reductionism, right? If it's yes. only about things, widgets, products, money, 
um, there's something that's lost, that's being lost, that's suffocated in that experience. And it could be so much more. And so some people do get it and many people still don't. But mm-hmm. as an aside, um, as a rabbi, I've officiated over 500 funerals. And a lot of those were very successful business people. And I, you know, I had the privilege of sitting with them in their life and their most vulnerable moments in their end as they were dying. And teacher of mine, Harold Schulweiss said, nobody, no, sorry, it was Harold Kushner. I think he said, author of um, Bad Things Happen to Good People. He said, mm-hmm. nobody has ever sat with him and said, I wish I spent more time in the office. And that was true in my experience. It doesn't mean that their, their business wasn't central to their life and wasn't important, but it was the meaning behind it, right? It was the, what is this, what am I building? Um, And it's easy to forget when you're in it, but when you're looking back at the end of your life, right, it was the meaning that mattered most. And so if we can help people find meaning while they're still in it, before they're dying, before I do their funeral, right, then that is a contribution. And Logo therapy, I think, is built for the business corporate setting. I think it's built for religious settings. I think it's built for secular settings. I think it's got this opportunity. It's positioned at these crossroads. So many different people, once they learn what it is, say yes to it. Say yes to life. Say yes mm-hmm. to this. I haven't met anybody who says, no, I don't get that. Right. So we have to, and I think that's what we're doing on this call and God willing in future calls. What is that? Here's what it is. Here's how we know it. Here's how we think it can be beneficial and useful and a pathway to finding meaning in your life while you're in your life, right right here, right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, I, that's such a beautiful story. It reminds me of a conversation I just had this morning. Um, I was working with a client, uh, individual I'd, I'd worked with on and off for probably about 10 years now. And the first, I mean, we talked about his his growth and evolution over the course of that time and just how amazing it is and, and where he is now as a, a very successful um, uh, vice president of a, of a business, of an international business, right? And he was telling me, he said, you know what? I had this opportunity presented to me to, uh, I had another offer and I looked at it and it, it was, you know, the money was good and everything was good. And he said, but the meaning wasn't there. What he does now he can look at and see directly how it helps people. And this other venture just, just didn't have it. Mm-hmm. And, and we talked about that for a while, how, how amazing and beautiful that is, that when you recognize that life doesn't become just a decision of where am I going to make the most money? Where am I going to get the biggest bang for my buck? But to recognize that, that finding me, you know, when we find meaning, success will eventually come. Happiness will come from meaning. But when we wind up chasing success and happiness and we forget that meaning is involved there too often, and I think we see this in our culture far too much, people wind up chasing that as a lifestyle and, and can give 50, 60, 70, 80 hours a week to work and forget about those meaningful things like family and hobby and nature and doing creative works and all of those other things. It's so true. Um, I think one of, the, so I wrote my diplomate. Um, you know, the dissertation, you know what that is. You did one mm-hmm. but people, I say diplomat, they have no idea what that means um, is I wrote it on uh, the defiant power of the human spirit. 
and the um, ancient origins of it growing out of kind of thousands of years of Judaism and Kabbalah. But um, one of the things I talked about in there was the centrality of Dr. Frankel's message of making a stand or taking a stand, standing mm-hmm. your ground, right? Mm-hmm. Because so often spirituality, which is kind of a buzzword now, is thought of as this almost the opposite, like a responsibility gets in the way of spirituality and you got to go off into the world and seek it go on this like walkabout leave behind your wife your your husband your your job your whatever and one thing i talked about in my in my paper is no it's about making a stand where you are Mm -hmm. taking responsibility and seeing those responsibilities as a pathway into spirituality you know, those are the things, the things that we're responsible for offer us an opportunity to go into, to find the spirit within them, in your marriage, in your job, where you stand, you don't have to leave in order to find. Mm-hmm. And I hear that with this, uh, with what you're saying. That's so true. I, 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 that ref- just reminds me of a conversation I had this week. And, and one, I think that our culture kind of brings up too much, this idea of finding myself, right? I have to go find myself and therefore maybe I can't be in this marriage or do this job or take care of these children. And, you know, logotherapy teaches is the exact opposite, right? It's, it's responsible action. It's taking action, taking a stand where you are, um, you know, logotherapy talks about our ability to respond, you know, being response able um, gives us the opportunity to discover meaning in difficult circumstances. And we find ourselves by giving ourselves right in marriage, in parenting, in, in taking care of elderly parents in our work. It would be lovely to take a month or a year off from life and responsibility and go wander where I paradise, who knows, but it's just not real because eventually you come back to it and, and you have to be the person that life asks you to be not, uh, not some beach bum walking on the sand, thinking about, thinking about meaning, but living it. It's also, I think not true that it's liberating. I think it's actually liberating to have the structure, you know, looking at uh, Kabbalah and, you know, the kind of the creation story, six days of creation, one day of being, you know, the Sabbath, um, Saturday, Saturday for Jews, Sunday for Christians, but the whole creation story is built around doing and being, not just being, not just being the beach bum, not just walking because I've, I've, um, I've done that. And I know that I start losing track of time. I start losing um, the sense of, well, Dr. Franco talks about the gift of our death as a stopwatch is ticking. And that is what the gift is, is knowing there's a structure, there's a finite amount of time. I can't put things off forever. And, and if you've ever like been on an extended sabbatical, you start losing track of time. Like every day is a Saturday, every day is a Sunday, every day is a Sabbath, nothing's a Sabbath. <laughs> I need that structure again in my life. I need those connections. That responsibility is actually liberating, not the opposite. Yeah, I, I think that's why it's so, I don't know, maybe maybe I'm just fortunate or blessed that when I come back from a vacation to go back to work, I look forward to it, mm. right? And, and that's the work we do, I think, in, in helping people and in living a meaningful life is you have that opportunity, you know, you're going back into structure, into having an impact, into doing self-transcendent work. Yes, a vacation is nice once in a while, 
but we are meant to work to connect to 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 struggle through things so that we can find and feel achievement absolutely meaningful work and um you know i know we were going to originally talk about the meaning of meaning i think we save that for the next you know first official one but this one to me feels so important because this this responsibility mm-hmm. of where you stand and you know i i counsel a lot of people who are either retiring or retired and this word, I hate this word. I think it's the worst word, right? Retired. Like, what, what does that mean? It just means it's so uninspired. I call it re-inspirement. Mm-hmm. That's what we need. Because they get to now choose their work. Yes. And if you don't, if you think of it as a retired, now I'm just tired. I'm just now cessation of work. It's the beginning of the end. I yep. watch successful business people go from successful business into retirement. And now it's like, who am I? What am I doing? What's my contribution? And what I had to help them or what I helped them do is see, no, it's now meaningful work that you choose, but it's work, right? We're here to contribute. It's one of Frankel's pathways to meaning Mm -hmm. in this world is contributing meaningfully through work. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I I think that's uh, not just in in our retiring age, but uh, I talk to a lot of younger people or middle-aged people about their life goals. And too many people say, you know, when I retire, I'll have this opportunity to travel or to volunteer or to do these different things. And and that's just a red flag for me. It's it's just stop right there. If that's something you want to do, you got to live life now. If you want to travel to Australia, find a way to make it happen in the next two years. If you want to go volunteer and, and create an organization that helps people, then find the time to do it in between your work time. Because A, there is no guarantee how much time we have. And, and that would be sad to, to have that regret at the end. But that work needs to be going on all the time. Not just when you hit a magic number in the government or your boss says, okay, you can retire now. But you know, if you're 35 or 45 or 55, and there's that goal, you know, that's a meaningful goal. Why make it wait? And I agree with you. This idea of retirement is, is just a new opportunity that too often those that work hard for a lifetime and then at that magic age say, OK, I'm just going to go retire to the couch or to the lazy boy or to the chair and TV. That's a, a quick path to the end. Yeah, it's also um, disempowering because it's mm-hmm. out there. You know, one of the things that I just believe so deeply about logotherapy is it's about taking back our power. Uh, one of Dr. Frankel's students, Edith Eager, have you written, read, or written, have you read anything by? Um, no, I haven't. E-G-E-R. So mm-hmm. she was a Holocaust survivor. She was about 10 years younger than Dr. Frankel. Mm-hmm. And she wrote a book called um, the, the Choice and The Gift. I can't remember which comes first. One of them is more of her story and one of them is more of her practice as a logotherapist. Mm-hmm. But she talks about the power, logotherapy, but of this work of taking it back from being a victim to being a survivor. And the difference is, is that a victim is powerless, Mm -hmm. right? We're all victimized in different ways at different times. But what she says is we don't have to take up residency in that place, victimhood, to live in that hood, to live in the victimhood we can go from victim to survivor. And she says the difference is, is a victim says, why me? And a survivor says, now what? Now what can I do? Because I can't answer 
why this happened. Why do bad things happen to good people? I don't know. But I can say now what? What is mine? To what, what change can I effectuate? What's my power to control? What's my response? Mm-hmm. And I just think what you just said is so important because it doesn't happen someday. It happens now. It happens now when I take responsibility for my you know, power. And I have the power to you know, do that thing now, not mm-hmm. when I'm 65 or 75 or whenever down the road now. Yeah, that word responsible keeps coming up here, doesn't it? And and I, I want to illustrate that again because you know we talk about responsibility, and that does seem to be a bit of a buzzword in, in our culture right now. But when Dr. Frankel talked about it, it was response able, the the ability to respond. And I think that's just so important to recognize that we all have that ability to respond in whatever situation. And I love that idea of going from victimhood to survivorhood, right? That's just the ultimate. Uh, you know, demonstration of resilience, right? Yes, this happened to me and, and it will change me. How it changes me is my decision. It is my ability to respond to that. And that can be so powerful and empowering for anybody who's struggled with, with any kind of victimhood. So this is all about really just taking back our power, the power, you know, like to, to choose, right? As Dr. Frankel says, our, to choose our response, and, and that's, I guess, maybe if we're going to, you're going to title this, it's uh, uh, responsibility, the ability to respond to life circumstances. Right. What, what else did we want to, man, because look, you, I said this already, once you and I get going, we could go for a long time, but I don't know if our audience wants long form of, uh, you know, three hours of Joe Rogan like conversation or uh, <laughs> we should keep it brief. So um, what else did we want to cover in introduction? Uh, who we are, how we found logotherapy, what other ideas do you have? I don't know. I think we hit it. I think, um, in my experience, uh, your, your, uh, average listener is starting to probably not off just about now. And I think a teacher of mine once told me as a rabbi, it's always better to leave before your audience falls asleep. Right. <laughs> so, uh, so I have a funny story about that because there's, there's a very close friend of mine who will listen and critique me when he gets a chance and uh, one day I just, he said, I'm almost caught up. He said, but I tell you what, I can't stop listening. Cause every time I get in the car with my one son, he says, Hey, let's go ahead and listen to Dr. Dan. And, and it's just, I mean, it touches me. You guys, thank you for listening to me. Owen, this is for you. I hope you hear this. Um, just the idea that you never know who you're going to touch be. And, and I think that's a great thing. Uh, you and I doing this and uh, sharing with each other's audiences, right? Like, maybe getting a little bit different perspective. If people in my audience want to know more about the amazing work you do, where can they find you? Thank you. Um, you can uh, just go to mysoulcentered.org, M-Y-soulcentered.org. You can always Google Rabbi B. Everybody seems to call me Rabbi B. Nobody wants to say Baruch. Um, <laughs> or just B is just totally fine too. But um, I work with my wife, uh, Ariella, and it's a center for spirituality, meaning, and healing for anybody, any background, walk of life, and would love to get to know your audience and uh, vice versa. How can my tribe get to know you and your tribe? Yeah, absolutely. The easy way is just danielafranz.com. That's D-A-N-I-E-L-A-F-R-A-N-Z.com. I'm sure there are all kinds of, whenever we post podcasts, there's links and all that fun stuff, right? So that's that's the great thing about what we do these days. Um, it's almost impossible not to be found, uh, which can be equally scary sometimes, but we won't go there. 
Well, I believe this is the beginning of uh, not only a good friendship, which has already started, but uh, some important work in building community and furthering our shared mission and cause. I believe a cause that the world needs now more than ever, which is uh, the meaning at the center of their lives. Absolutely. I look forward to future conversations. I know just as a teaser for anybody listening, uh, you and I were planning on diving pretty deep into the meaning of meaning next time we chat. Can't wait. It's important because logos uh, means meaning. And, you know, we got to know what the heck we're talking about if we're promoting logotherapy, the meaning. Right. We can't talk about meaning unless we know what meaning means. So until the next time, brother, thank you. It's an honor and pleasure. Take care of you. Talk to you soon. You've been listening to the Soul Center Podcast with your hosts, Ariella and Baruch Halevi. If you'd like to learn more about Soul Center, please visit mysoulcenter.org. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at My Soul Center. And if you found meaning and inspiration in this podcast, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcast. We'd also love to hear from you to connect with you. So please reach out to us. And until then, we wish you shalom, salam, namaste, and peace.